All right. Let's get this out of the way first. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed on Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast are solely those of the speakers, guests, and host, and do not in any way represent the thoughts or views or opinions of any other employer, partnership, or sponsor. The material and information in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should be used at the listener's discretion. Here comes the intro. Skip forward 30 seconds if you want to get right to the episode. This is the Tailboard Talk Podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions to make us capable and durable both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from first shift, and let's go chat. All right, let's get going, man. This one is delayed. Delayed and plays into today's talk. First of all, welcome back. Welcome back to to Tailboard Talks, the Firefighter Podcast. I'm Chris, your host, and one more week of four shift fitness starting September 1st. We're turning into four shift firefighter, and today is another perfect example of that. Yes, we're talking about fitness constantly. Last week, we talked about back pain a little bit. However, um, we branch out. We branch out in this show a lot more than just fitness. So changing it to fourth shift firefighter because we're talking about firefighter stuff, lifestyle stuff, conflict stuff, growth stuff, and uh, that's what I want to keep doing. So we're adjusting, right? It's the beauty of having a small business. You can kind of adjust on the fly here. And all it costs you is a few stickers and another another name on the copyright or on the uh, LLC. So, four shift firefighter coming soon. Look for that. I'm going to be doing a ton of stuff next week with it. If I seem a little distracted, it's because Nathan will not go to sleep tonight. Uh, it's nine o'clock. He should have been sleeping an hour ago, but he's just not giving up tonight. He's already gotten out of bed twice, and I'm hoping there's no third time. So I'm watching the monitor over here, anyways. Asked a question earlier this week, and it was, what are some unexpected good things that you got out of the fire service? Because, I mean, obviously, a lot of what we talk about is issues, right? That's the stuff that people like to talk about and want to talk about is issues. What's going wrong? What could have been better? Blah, blah, blah. But I want to take a different approach because, dude, there's some good stuff, man. And I want to talk about the good stuff sometimes. So let's talk about good stuff. Get back to my notes here. So a lot of good responses. Again, you guys are turning out, right? You're coming out for the questions and I dig it. It helps me out immensely and the answers are always great. So I said, what are some unexpected positives or good things or happy surprises that you've received from the fire service? Bunch of them. I've seen younger firefighters turn into great senior firefighters and company officers. That's pretty cool. This one says, you do truly get to help people every single day, even though we complain about the calls. Both parts are true. Uh, The training community outside of the departmental association is stellar and so inclusive of all. Uh, I've never, I never realized just how much free time outside of work I have. Next one says, I've learned how to be more mechanical and think things through. Hard lessons create easier times. That plays into the experience one too. Kind of the manliness episode that we talked about a few episodes back of like, that's an acquired skill. Learning and learning how to be mechanical, problem solve, critical think, differential diagnosis, all those are learned things. And if you're coming into the fire service without those things, it could be perceived as a lack of manliness or manhood and all that. Anyways, go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear more about that. Nathan's still good. 
Uh, this one says personal, personal time outside of work. Another one says, I still show up an hour early for shift, 21 years down, and I still look forward to seeing my crew. That is a great one. That's a great one because I'm sure at one point this person did not expect that 21 years in they would be this happy to be there. I'm sure there were some rough patches. I'm sure there were some struggling times, some struggling years, maybe a struggling decade, right? But that is a happy little thing that you can reflect on reflect back on and say like, man, I'm 21 years in. I still really, really like doing this. That's pretty awesome. Especially considering the fire service trap of like, it, it's, it's its own little universe, right? In the regular world, outside of the fire service universe, you may move jobs and locations several times throughout your, your career, your lifetime. I think the average time in the private sector, people keep jobs is like four to seven years, maybe. Right. And they're moving around, but the fire service is like, Hey, when you're in your early twenties, pick where you want to live for the next 30 years and what you want to do for the next 30 years now and, uh, see in 30 years. So to be 21 years in still dig it. I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, next one says seeing how happy recent retirees are another giant one. We are, we have a ton of turnover in my department. I'm sure a lot of people do. Right. And I think there's a lot of hesitation for one reason or another about retirement, um, especially after the past few years about the economy, all that stuff. I, I can only think of one person since I've been on my full-time apartment, I've been there for 15 years, um, who kind of wish they would have stayed and they left a little bit early. Um, they left under a little bit of, um, duress kind of circumstances and they think they wish it would have stayed, but everybody that's hung on for an extra handful of years, because why not? Once they do retire, I think pretty much all of them said like, I should have done this when I wanted to the first time, or I should have stuck to my original plan because yeah, I, I had fun sticking around. The job was a good time, but it's better. It's better after 30 years without it. And that, that's just the truth of the matter for a lot of people. Uh, learning to problem solve and work through things I'd normally just give up on. Ooh, yeah. Sometimes you can't just give up on stuff, right? And discovering that about yourself, that you have a little bit more grit and sandpaper and stick than you thought or you had before. That is pretty awesome. Uh, this one says the schedule gives so gives me so much more time to spend with my son and soon to be second child and soon second child, not soon to be second child, soon second child. Awesome. And this one says, I met my husband. I suppose that one's also a day-to-day happy thing. Um, certainly Katie is day-to-day. I'm just kidding. Happy with me. But uh, so I responded back to that person. I said, ooh, controversial one. And they said, yeah, I know. So typical, right? But hey, if it works, it works, right? Um, certainly a bigger conversation for another day. But yeah, be happy, right? Be happy and look at that stuff. And I think one of the things that made me drive towards the second part of this episode, which is expectations versus intent or intention is that a lot of these people may not have expected these things to to be reality. Like, I never realized how much time I had outside of work. I never expected the training community outside the department to be so inclusive and welcoming. Maybe because their environment inside the department isn't all those things. They just assume that once they go outside to outside courses, it's going to be more of the same. And so they were proven wrong, and that's a happy, happy thing, right? Um yeah, all the mechanical, learn how to do hard stuff ones. You don't know what you don't know what you don't know. I, I didn't like that quote for a long time, but I kind of like it more now. These are all things that kind of went against maybe our foggy or unknown expectations or even our solid expectations, and they turn out positive. And expectations are funny, man. 
they get us in more trouble, I'd say, than turn out to be positive. You, you can be pleasantly surprised occasionally from time to time, right? But for a lot of time, I feel like our expectations set us up for failure. And I'm speaking from experience of the past 45 minutes trying to get Nathan to bed. In reality, I should have expected him to stay up late tonight. Katie forced him to do homework this afternoon, so he put himself to bed and took a two-hour nap to avoid doing more worksheets at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Smart guy. Um, I should have expected this to be a longer bedtime tonight. But in my head, I was like, I got to do the podcast. I want to get that done. So I put a false expectation of like, it's okay. He'll still go to bed at his normal time, even though he slept during the day. Silly me, right? And I've had several instances where people's expectations either weren't clear or they were misplaced or misguided and it's caused conflict, you know? Um, One story that comes to mind with that is there's always been conflict. There's always going to be conflict in the firehouse, right? And it doesn't take much to set someone off or to touch a button because as much as we know about everybody, there's a ton of stuff about your crewmates or your people you work with that you just don't know. And so you may say something or do something that really strikes a nerve that really nobody thought was going to be an issue. And one particular time, someone said something. Uh, they, they said something, they were vocal about it, and a person took great exception to it, right? And turned it into a thing. And I was talking with the person who was the uh, quote-unquote offender, right? And they said, why would that person care so much about that? Like, why would they, why would they care about that? And a couple of us were sitting there and were like, dude, they've openly cared about that for years now. Like, that's the thing, that's one of the big things they care about. Why would you expect them not to care about it just because you said it? And so that person was like, yeah, but in my mind, that's not a big deal. Well, you're misplacing values. Your expectations are way off base. You're expecting everyone to not care about the things that you don't care about, right? So we had to kind of give them a rough time with it of like, yeah, dude, you're not only you were goofy for saying it, but you're making yourself look dumb by saying you didn't expect the reaction that you got sorry, we can't take your side on this one. Right. And so he had to go back. He had to kind of eat it a little bit, but the failure to recognize appropriate expectations because of actions is a major, major thing in the fire service. It really is. Um, you know, another one I was involved in, we rolled out a program a bunch of years ago now. And because of, uh, several different factors, we had to start implementing it before it was really like truly ready to be rolled out. But some things came up some restrictions popped up and some, some, uh, we were made to roll it out. Right. And I was a a part of the small group of people that were kind of rolling this thing out. One of the point of contacts and I got several, several phone calls and emails about it, about how it's incomplete. It's not ready to be used yet. Um, we're not trained properly on it, this and that and the other thing. Right. And one of them, I remember specifically one of my, one of my good friends called me up and he was dude, he was hell bent for leather. He was so pissed and uh, he, he called me at like 7.05 in the morning. We were getting on shift, and he had just caught up on the recent events and saw that this thing was implemented, and he was not happy. And uh, he called up and immediately started giving me every problem with it that I already knew existed and also looking for answers that I didn't have. And I told him, dude, I hear what you're saying to me. I have no more answers to give you. Everything you read in the email that you got is all the information I have. That's why I put it in the email. As new information comes out, you'll get it. And that didn't stop him. He just had to get his point across. And I was in the room with a couple other people. And at one point I said, all right, listen, 
what is your expectation in this conversation? What are you looking for me to say that I can get off the phone with you and we can not talk to each other for the rest of the day? What can I say? And he basically said, you can't say anything. I'm just pissed and you need to hear it. And I said, cool, go for it. And there was another 30 seconds of all kinds of words. And that was it. I said, cool, man, we'll see you at drill later. I'll see you tomorrow when we're hanging out. And it was all good, right? But I didn't know what he was expecting. If he was expecting me to come up with new solutions, it's not going to happen. As soon as I said, what are you expecting out of this conversation? He let me know exactly. He wasn't expecting anything but a punching bag. And I said, I can be a punching bag for 30 seconds. So having false expectations, setting expectations, all those things are so incredibly important in the fire service uh, with our personal relationships and all that stuff. I'm sure you can think of other times when you assumed one thing or expected one thing and something completely opposite happened or everybody was seemingly blindsided by this thing. How could this happen? I never expected that. And then when you step back a year later, whatever, you're like, how could we not expect that? How, how was that a surprise? Now we look foolish for not being honest with ourselves about this being a potential and most likely the scenario that's going to happen, right? Now, intentions, and I don't know why I link these two together, but I wanted to kind of talk about expectations versus intentions because oftentimes we think about the intent of what the person is trying to do. That kind of ties back to the expectation of what they're going to do or how something's going to go. Um, it's kind of made me think of something else too. I, we had this class probably about a year ago for, with one of the guys from the police department, and he's a specialist in um, mental health let's just call it negotiations, right? He's part of the team of people that goes out to emotionally distressed persons and kind of deals with them before we get called or de determines if we need to get called to, to transport them to the hospital. And this is like on a state level, this is what he does. And since Illinois has really tried to expand their mental health offerings uh, with the suicide hotline and all the supportive things they're trying to put in place, um, it's a real thing, right? It's changing the structure of how we deal with these calls. And one of the things of, of part of our two-day training that he went through, one of the things that stuck with me was we all have a, a clock in our heads for each individual circumstance that we've come across in the fire service or, or on our calls, right? We all have a clock of like, if we're going to a chest pain call, if we're going to a fire alarm, if we're going to a house fire, in our head, we have a timeline of how this thing should, should march out, like and how long each thing should take. And once things start go, to go beyond that timeline, we stop acting rationally and start acting emotionally. And with his scenario, he was talking about like, we go to an emotionally distressed person. Um, if we're there for more than 15, 20 minutes, we start acting a little bit more harshly and a little more abru abruptly and maybe inappropriately for the situation because in our minds, there's no way this call should take more than 20 minutes. We should be transporting by now, right? That ties into the exception part of this thing, exception, expectation part of this thing, because changing that expectation is really difficult to do, especially if it's a situation that looks very familiar to one that you've had in the past and it got handled on your timeline last time. But that's where the intention comes in and can kind of maybe take the edge off the emotion. Because if your intention is to treat the person and handle the call and be a professional, then the timeline is secondary. But if your intention is to get this call over with or resolve the situation as fast as possible, that timeline is number one. And as soon as that bell hits at 12 or 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, whatever it is for that call and in your head, then emotion takes over. I'm sick of this thing. Let's get going. I don't care 
we're done negotiating. Just, just grab them. Let's go. Or like, Hey, we've looked around this building for long enough. Yeah. We didn't walk the whole building and we don't know why the alarm went off, but we've been here for too long. We're out of here. There's a million different scenarios this can play into, right? But our intention, it's difficult to shift our intention from, um, emergent and quick resolution and get an answer as fast as possible into, Hey, let's problem solve. And sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer, but we're going to kind of do it the right way and, and make sure we're good. Right. And so intention is incredibly important. Intention is just, um, why you do something like your reason for doing something. I had a, um, I had a definition pulled up, but I, I closed it and I'm not going to go back to it. You guys know what intention is, right? The intention, good intentions, bad intentions. What's your intentions behind this? One of the big things in the mental health space is setting intentions for the day or setting intentions for your role, right? And I like that. Um, I've shared a while ago, I, I use a gratitude journal less now than before because uh, things have kind of calmed down and um, it's easier. Like the, the tide has gone down a little bit, so the ships are, are chilling out a little bit, but just for now. And when stuff gets hectic, I'll go back to the gratitude journal because it's easy to lose sight of that intention and just run off of emotion. But for me, what really worked better was, yeah, you can set an intention for the day of whatever you want it to be. That's far too broad and far too general in my brain. And from situation to situation, emotions can take over and you lose sight of the overall intention because it's just this thing that you state and you shove it up in the cloud and then it's supposed to just cover you the whole time. Doesn't doesn't work for me that well. I have to do intentions almost incident by incident, hour by hour, or task by task. And again, today is a great example of that I could come home from work today and say, I, my intention today on my first day off a shift is to be present with my family. And that's a great thing to say. And that's a great intention to have. And it's probably the right one, right? But then I'm trying to get something done or answer an email or talk to Katie and the kids are just all over us, right? And all of a sudden we're saying, just go in the other room so I can talk to mom or just, just leave me alone for 10 minutes so I can, so I can finish this, then I'll pay attention to you it's easy to get sidetracked from that overall intention of being present in those moments, those small moments, I'm not present. What works for me is saying, okay, dude, I can't play with you right now. Okay. But in 15 minutes, I'm going to play with you for an hour. And then sex sets the expectations also, right? If I set the intention that at one o'clock, I'm going to be hanging out with Nathan for two hours then I can also set the expectation that during those two hours, he is going to be all over me. And I'm good with that because my intention is to be with him, not answering emails, not trying to do yard work, not trying to do whatever, right? So for me, and this may work for you guys too, if you struggle with setting a broad overall intention, make it smaller, make it thing by thing, hour by hour. My intention from six in the morning to 8.30 is to get work done. That's my intention. So if Nathan comes in, I can then confidently and securely with my own brain say, dude, listen, this is my uh, doing work time. You can do your homework time or play in your room or do whatever you got to do safely. And I'll, I'm not just going to ignore you. I'll keep tabs on you. But that's what I'm doing for this hour and a half. Later, my intention is to be with you. And then I can dedicate that time to him. Now that works in the fire service too. Kind of the same thing I was talking about um, with intentions called a call, right? Your intention We've all been in the position where you're working today and tomorrow morning you're getting on a plane to go to the beach or wherever, or you're off for the next three shifts and you got a big project at home. 
And you might come into work and say, dude, I intend on just making it through today. I'm not worried about running calls. If I don't go on any calls, that's cool. I want to get whatever I have to out of the way, but I intend on doing very little because I got my mind on stuff tomorrow. We've all been there. That's a, it's a very honest thing to say, right? A very realistic thing to say, but also can really sacrifice some quality service, right? I think that sets you up for failure and frustration. I really do. If your intention is, hey, I got one, one day left and then I'm going on vacation or I got these whatever days off, I intend to make today run as smoothly as possible by making sure I'm on every call, I'm paying attention. That way I don't have that clock running in my head and thinking like, dude, there's six hours left. That means I can run four more calls before I get to go home. Those four calls turn into a burden instead of, all right, I got six hours left. Let's make this go as smooth as possible. If that means getting yelled at by the drunk guy for 10 minutes and putting him on the cot and we go to the hospital, that's what that means. And if it means picking up grandma two more times after midnight, that's what that means. If it means, yeah, it's 95 degrees outside and humid and I got to put my stuff on and go to a car fire or an AFA and walk around a factory for an hour, that's what that means. And I'm just going to do that stuff because my intention is to make it through today successfully and then be able to enjoy my time off and not be so focused on tomorrow and my intention of just doing nothing and getting out of here, that everything that happens today is a frustration because I just want to get out of here. Hopefully that's relatable, but also not relatable. It's definitely relatable to me. I've been in that position before. I've, you know, I've done my long stretch on the ambulance when the days are just beating, right? And I posted the other, the other uh, day when I got off shift, our call times. And from midnight to 6 a.m., we ran a call per hour and it was not awesome, right? But I had to talk with my partner and said, listen, dude, if we're up every hour tonight, because that's the way this is going, I'm okay with that because I know that in six hours from now, I won't be running calls. And that made everything a lot easier. That's not an easy thing to do. I definitely don't have that mentality every day. There's certainly times when I go to bed at 10 and get woken up at 1130 and two and four, where by four o'clock, I'm not interested in that call. Uh, But on those times when you can put the intention out there that like, yeah, calls are going to happen. My intention is to handle them professionally and do my quote unquote best or do a good job. It just makes everything run so much smoother. It sets, it lets you work on intention and not emotion because your expectations then are, you've taken the power out of your expectations. You've taken the leverage away from expectations. You've put it on intention and, and in intention and attention, right? So I had that down here. Um, uh, when you set clear intentions for yourself, it makes it easier to manage your expectations of others. So that's a major point of this. I kind of skipped over that in the, the beginning part. It's almost the baseline for this whole thing is intentions are things you set for yourself and expectations are things you set for others. And if you have your intentions clear, then it really, um, makes your expectations of others a lot more tolerable or a lot less painful when they, <laughs> they betray your expectations. So a lot of rambling. Again, this is an episode, guys, these, these solo ones I like doing because I get to kind of ramble a little bit. Um, but like I said, if they, if you start listening to this thing and now you look down and it's 23 minutes in and you haven't listened in the past eight minutes and it's been playing in the background because it made you think of something and you've gone off on that experience in your brain, that's so cool to me. I really like when that happens when I'm listening to podcasts. So if that happens to you, listen to this one, um, 
I would consider that awesome. So I hope that happens to you once in a while. If not, then my bad. No, you're bad. Whatever. Someone's bad. All right. As always, guys, if you like what's going on here, you can donate to the show. Keep it going. Um, I do want to upgrade the camera at some point. I'm using the GoPro-ish thing, and I really like the other camera, but um, it's got a time recording limit. Any hoozles. More importantly, switching over to Force Firefighter next week. Super excited for that. Guests coming on I've been talking to, and we're scheduling times for that now. Very excited for that. Very excited. I feel like we're, we're opening up here. We're, we're getting going. We're building some, some steam. I'm going to get out to more speaking engagements, more conferences, stuff like that. Nathan's staying in bed now for 27 minutes. Big bonus. Um, so let's end it there. Let's all keep working on being more capable and durable, both on the job and away from it. And uh, starting next week, be a four-shift firefighter.